What is up, Ditch the Job listeners? Mark Roberti here, and income is one of the big things that allows people to ditch their jobs when they have that business income, but it's also one of the things that holds most people back because their job income is the thing that's paying the bills. So that's why in this episode, we're going to talk about how do we bridge that gap between your salary and your scalable, leveraged, passive income. That's what we're going to jump into in this episode. Our guest who joins us ditched a $100,000 per year job in January of 2019 to found Exam Study Expert, which is a business built on his longstanding passion for coaching students in effective study habits and memorization strategies, helping them to hit top grades in exams at high schools and universities. He is now the author of the best-selling exam technique book, outsmart your exams and runs the popular exam study expert podcast and blog which together reach a worldwide audience of hundreds of thousands of students each year our guest is none other than william wadsworth william welcome to the show thank you very much mark really excited to be here william i'm so happy to have you on ditch the job and being able to go from the salary to living off of the business and the passive income, granted business is not passive, but there are some ways to generate income that sort of feels passive. But the idea is that you don't need that salary anymore to live off of your expenses. So I'm wondering if you could talk about why you decided to leave your job and some of the challenges you initially faced. So it's a good question. So um, I decided, so today is, um, today is actually uh, a, a year and a month minus one since I walked out of the gates of my employer. So um, almost exactly 13 months uh, since, I, since I took the plunge. And sort of just thinking back to, to the situation I was in back then, um, perhaps not quite your typical uh, job ditcher in that I was very happy in my job. Um, you know, I, had, I was lucky enough to have a, have a great job, very interesting work. Um, I was doing a strategy for uh, Sky, which is a British uh, TV and media company, now part of Comcast Group. Um, you know, some quite intellectual uh, you know, to the job, some, some great colleagues. Um, but, but sort of what was missing uh, in my life was really the freedom to be able to, to kind of follow up on my own creative hunches and follow my own sort of business instinct. Um, a sort of itch to scratch that I think you know many entrepreneurs would sort of relate to, um, and I just kind of couldn't see a path to to being able to scratch that itch uh, through a sort of conventional uh, full time job. The other thing was that uh, you know you mentioned I sort of got a background in um, helping people study uh, that that started back at university. Uh, you know I read psychology at Cambridge University about about ten years ago now. Um, and sort of since ever since that I've, I've, I've kind of been uh, I've had this niggle that that a lot of students aren't uh, are leaving a lot of marks on the table by not knowing the right ways to, to learn and study effectively so I sort of felt there's this this you know, potentially quite important uh, opportunity to help people um, so I sort of always, always had that in the back of my mind um, Anyway, sort of something started to something started to, to to click. It all started to fall into place. I started to do a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of listening to podcasts, which I highly recommend as a way to uh, to educate yourself on on pathways through life. You know, on how it might be possible to build a business around this. Um, 
cut a long story short, I eventually became so confident that I'd be able to make it work uh, that I took the plunge um, and, and left the job. For me, the decision to take the plunge as opposed to stay in the job and try and build something alongside, uh, you know, the sort of traditional side hustle model where you, you know, you try and build up your side income to a point where it looks, you know, like you'll be able to live off it and then you can step out of your job with some confidence. For, for my situation, I, partly because my job was quite demanding, both sort of, uh, you know, intellectually and sort of energy wise, um, you know, I came home in the evenings with very little to kind of give, give myself, give my business. Um, and so I was looking at a really long, you know, timeline stretching forth, you know, maybe five years plus, who knew, um, before I'd start to get to any kind of meaningful uh, business size that I'd be able to, uh, to move on from the day job. And that, that route just seemed so slow that it was just completely unappealing. Um, so, you know, I, I did try it about six months or so, for about six months or so. It just, just wasn't working for me. Um, so I was, you know, again, something I was quite fortunate in was I had a little bit of savings put to one side that gave me about 12 months worth of runway. Um, so I took the decision, you know what, just going to take a year, give it my best shot, see what I can do in that year and go for it. Um, and here I am a year later, absolutely no regrets. <laughs> I mean, given where you are now, I definitely wouldn't have any regrets either, but it's not like you suddenly have this massive transformation. Like there are those nights where it's like, am I doing this? Did I make the right decision? Should I just go back? And I'm wondering how you got through those initial days, uh, and then build to where you are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. You know, <clears throat> I'm sort of 13 months in now, as I say. Uh, if I look back over those 13 months, I think the first 10, if my overwhelming feeling was I was putting forth vast effort and vast energy into the world, and the world was getting, giving me very little back in return. Um, and so, you know, exactly as you say, you have those doubts, you have those feelings of, you know, am I doing the right thing? You know, uh, should I have really left the job? You know, am I going to make a success of this? Uh, what will my friends, family think of me? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, and it's a part of the process that, you know, often doesn't get talked about a lot when you kind of listen to the big sort of entrepreneurial shows, you know, you hear the sort of the success stories and the big six figure, you know, seven figure incomes. Um, but you, you kind of don't hear much about that, that, that trough, that, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, chasm that you need to, to cross, uh, particularly if you're going for the model I went for where you, you step out of your job on day one with very little to, 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 uh, to, to kind of step into, so you're starting from scratch as soon as you, you quit your job effectively. Um, I think a few things that helped me, uh, Mark, were um, partly, as I mentioned, that, that, that kind of cash cushion that gave me a bit of runway. Um, but that was supplemented by having some kind of high income skills, uh, as a guy called Dan Locke talks about, um, uh, that sort of allows you to bring in a bit of cash, perhaps not even enough to fully pay your bills, but at least offset a bit of your cash burn. So you're not, you know, essentially makes your cash cushion last for longer. Um, in my case, uh, you know, my, my high income skills were, were kind of conventional tutoring. So sort of teaching science, teaching business studies uh, to, to sort of affluent families. Um, and, you know, that, that worked very well for me in the early months to, to sort of say slow that, that cash burn and help uh, help me get a bit of confidence that uh, I'd be able to, to last a bit longer. 
as well as just helping your self-esteem you know it's people paying you for your services i think it's quite important to have at least a little bit of that in your life when you step out of your job in order to to maintain your feelings of sort of self-worth as a as a contributor to our economy um i think another thing that really helped actually was the fact that i had my my business was almost a portfolio of lots of different little businesses um so sort of as you mentioned i you know i got an interest in the blog i've got a, a podcast i uh, i'd written a book um i was trying to, i was trying to get into doing uh, workshops for schools teaching students in schools how to revise as well as the kind of doing the one on one work so sort of coaching uh, coaching students online all over the world and how to how to study for their exams effectively lots of different kind of stools lots of different kind of pieces of the puzzle and what it sort of meant was that i could you know chip away at some of these um business activities whilst um having some others maybe on the back burner for a bit so you know i launched the blog was pretty much the first thing i launched um you know about this time last year january 2019 and um as most new bloggers find you don't get the incredible waves of traffic breaking in month one or month two or even month three um you know you might get a little bit but it takes an awful lot of hard work you know putting yourself out there and finding the you know the facebook groups or the reddit um threads to sort of engage with to, to bring kind of any traffic at all to your to your, to your blogs um so you know I, I put a lot of energy into that um perhaps was slightly disappointed <laughs> with how it was going to start with um but the good news was i ne then had a podcast to look forward to launching so i was able to put quite a lot of energy into that while sort of keeping the blog ticking over um and what i kind of found was by the time i'd got going with the podcast so sort of a few months later still maybe six months into the journey um you know the blog i'd almost completely not not neglected but it was sort of very limited energy each week just kind of keeping it going keeping pushing out a little bit of content um and what i was finding was that google was starting to pick me up and that was starting to, to really pick up um a similar thing happened with the podcast actually so again you know a huge amount of effort to launch it listenership to start with relatively limited um for vast effort expending trying to find those li listeners um but again what i found was sort of as i moved into the autumn and kind of nine ten months in um you know the podcast in turn moved onto the back burner and something i was kind of keeping ticking over um while i focused on other yet other things um but again what sort of happened while it was while I wasn't focusing on it, just kind of by virtue of time and just by staying consistent and putting in putting out good content, again that started to take off and that started to grow. So, I think having different things that you can diversify, so that when something's not working, you've got other things you can try and other things you can get excited about, and some things you can kind of just keep ticking away in the background and might be more of a long-term game. I think diversifying your sort of portfolio of activities for me, at least, was was really really helpful. Um, as well as, of course, just spreading the risk. You know, if something really doesn't work out, then you can move on to the next thing. And I love how you describe all these different projects, uh, like, you know, blogging and podcasts could be their own businesses, but you could really apply this as side hustles also, like how you apply them as like a whole portfolio because it, using the word portfolio and viewing each of your projects as assets really gets you to think a lot more clearly on ROI because you know if you have a negative ROI it's something where you either fix that right away or you de dedicate less time to it. it's like how uh, William saw that you know he was spending a little time on his blog then he saw Google was picking up on it then he spends more time on that 
then he's spending a little time on the podcast and that starts picking up. He goes more into that. And a lot of this stuff, especially with like blogging and podcasting and YouTube for that matter, because that's what I'm focusing a lot on now. Yeah, all those are long-term stuff. So in between, you need the short-term stuff just to, uh, in William's case, it was to reduce the cash burn and you know just make that part easier. So how did you get to that long-term success? I know you mentioned Facebook and Reddit groups. Was there anything else you were doing uh, to grow the blog and podcast to what they are now? So I think the, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for the, for the blog over time was just, just cracking SEO, cracking the SEO code. Um, and for me, that was a combination that was primarily writing great content that people wanted to read, um, in very specific answer to very specific keywords. So, you know, spending the time on the keyword research, digging deep, finding those longer tail keywords that were less competitive, where I thought I could write the best answer on the internet to based on my knowledge as a psychologist and how this, this stuff really works, you know, cutting through a bit of the noise and a bit of the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, the myth and kind of rumor about what might work for some people and what doesn't, you know, sort of getting in there with, with the sort of science and saying, no, no, look, this, this is how it works. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of great content, um, a bit of effort on backlink building, though not a ton. Um, so taking opportunities where I found them to, to kind of guest post and collaborate with other blogs, though, you know, really not putting a great deal of time into it. Um, uh, um, I, I, one thing I did, one tool I did find quite effective was, uh, have you come across Harrow, help, help a reporter out? Yeah. So, um, I, this is uh, for, for listeners that don't know, this is a, a sort of thrice daily um, up, uh, sort of request list from journalists of, you know, major websites and publications wanting sources. Um, and that was something I, uh, you know, submitted um, offers of help, but, you know, you know, might be a journalist looking for a psychologist to advise on you know, exam technique or something. So, um, you know, I might be able to contribute a quote to that in return for which their publication hopefully might, might, might drop me a little back link back to, to my website. Um, and I was able to get, get, you know, pick up a few quite, quite juicy backlinks uh, through, through that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, think the combination of those those things so the the keyword the key the diligent keyword research writing great content to match it and then a bit of time on on backlink building i think that was the the kind of three legs of the stool that helped me uh, start to get some traction uh, in in the seo race um i think so one, one of the other areas of the business so we haven't, haven't talked about much yet was, was you know I, I mentioned i go into schools and offer workshops for students um to kind of get that element of the business off the ground, um, I was able to draw on some of my past past experience in in the kind of world of strategy and, and uh, you know the, the, the corporate world, where a big part of my job, um, in order to answer questions, uh, in order to answer big business questions, was research. So interviewing thousands, tens of thousands of consumers to find out answers to questions. And so kind of given that, given that sort of experience, I was thinking, well, how can I leverage this? How can I leverage what I know? How can I leverage sort of assets I've got, <laughs> uh, skills I've got to, to help me, to help me now? Um, and so the sort of strategy I came up with was um, put, putting together a large piece of research within schools 
about sort of study strategies their students use. So, you know, the, the idea was the research would be you know, free for schools to participate in uh, and, you know, they get some valuable insight and data back from it. Um, and then it was just a really natural and effortless way to, to kind of get in, con make, you know, make, make, make contact with, uh, with, with, with high schools, schools, um, and, and kind of position myself as a, as, you know, an expert and, author and an authority in, in this space of, of sort of study strategies. Um, and that's, that's been working great. Um, so I, you know, worked with some, something like 50 schools uh, so far and, you know, quite naturally in the course of doing that, that project, you know, sometimes quite often they'll bring it up first. Oh, you know, uh, what else have you, you know, you know, what else have you got? You know, do you do anything to, to help students directly? And of course the answer is, you know, yeah, absolutely. Great. Let's, let's have a chat about the, uh, the sort of workshops I do and, you know, I'll send, I'll work up a proposal for you. Um, so, you know, that's, that's both been been quite helpful for, for sort of putting 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 the brand on the map you know the fact that I'm, I'm doing something you know major in terms of creating new knowledge um, but also in terms of networking that's been that's been quite a useful battering ram I think to, to sort of break break down the doors um, in the, the sort of I guess b2b side of the business networking is huge I do three podcasts I do a whole bunch of virtual summits and I go to a whole bunch of events the amount of people you meet in that like my kind of setting just by having a podcast and in-person events like networking is one of the most important things you could be doing for your business I do want to jump on something also that William mentioned because people would ask him oh like what else do you do and then he'd mention his workshops that's why it's important to have a portfolio of things that connect because there are people who read my book, Podcast Domination, and then after reading that book, they say, I want to talk to you more about your coaching. So if you have offers connected rather than scattered all over the place, that is what allows you to build a deeper relationship where someone buys your product, then buys your training course, then buys your services. So it's really important, as William was sharing with us, how one sale can connect into more yeah for sure for sure um and you know I, I i see that both in the the sort of the schools side of what i do you know my building relationships with uh you know school leaders headmasters um and also in you know what i do with with sort of private clients as well one-on-one one-on-one -on -one students um, sometimes in very unexpected ways, um, you know, when you get in front of people and they see that you're good and that you know what you're doing, uh, it can be, can be amazing the sorts of opportunities that, that that unlocks. And another thing I want to emphasize, I mean, Will's basically like, William's basically saying, you know, it's amazing what you unlock when you show up, when you're amazing, when you give that top value. It's not like, you approach the decision maker and then because you approach them, they let you in. It's more of you build the relationship, you show them that you're amazing, and then they just naturally want to learn more or pursue that next level of the relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're sort of touching on something that's, that, that I, um, I wrestle with sometimes a little bit, which is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sort of school of doing business where, you know, it's very much about sort of sell, 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 and you kind of push yourself in front of people and you're, you know, you're very forthright about what you do and what you offer. And that works great for some people. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's never felt comfortable to me. And I know sales perhaps isn't never supposed to feel entirely comfortable, but, um, you know, I've, I've always felt quite, um, you know, it's always felt quite forced and, 
the times I have tried it, I've not got particularly good results from it. it for me, it's, it's, it's that, that kind of pushy sales um, methods never been, uh, never been, never been great for me. Um, so, you know, what I have looked for instead, as you sort of saying, are opportunities to sort of show um, almost offer some, offer, offer some kind of value first, build up that trust. And then sometimes you don't even need to push the sale at all. They come back to you and say, Oh, that, that's great. <laughs> let's, let's talk about, let's talk about business. And that's driven entirely by the client. Um, if, I think if you, if you can get the, if you can, it's, it's like, um, it's like that classic form of persuasion. If you're trying to get, um, your idea to land in an organization, the best thing you can do is make your manager think it was his or her idea in the first place. Um, that sort of inception style of persuasion. If you can do that with sales, that's, I think, fantastic. If you can get the client to come up with the idea that it was their idea to hire you <laughs> rather than something you'd suggested to them, um, I think that's, that, no, that's the dream. And that's not always going to be possible. And for sure, there'll be plenty of times I go back to clients and say, oh, you know, we were in touch about such and such do you want to have another chat? Here's the sort of other things I do. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's connect. Um, and I think you've got to do, you've got to do that as well. Um, but if you, if you can at least some of the time make the client do the work, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a big win on those occasions. I don't think people think that way. And that's a great way to think because they think like on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a great way to get clients. If you do that right, it's really awesome what LinkedIn can do for your business. But if you are on LinkedIn for even a little bit of time and you get connection requests, you get the person who is just straight up selling you. Like oh <laughs> it's, um, you probably get this because you're a blogger. You get the, um, uh, we were looking at your site and we saw like these 10 different SEO issues and we can put you to page one on Google if you do our services right now. Like, I don't know if you get those, oh, but yeah. I get those oh, yeah. <laughs> way too much and it's like, I'm fine. Like, you don't even know my business. You just sent that email out to everyone. So uh, right. there is that dynamic where if you provide value first, the customer is definitely going to follow. And uh, that's one of the reasons why this is a job listers. I know you guys, if you enjoy certain episodes, you check the guest out and we'll have links in the show notes uh, to William's site. So you can follow him on his journey. I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the other places you want us to go so we can follow your work and journey sure um well, i mean for for any of your listeners that are still still connected to the world of formal education either high school or college um either as students themselves or perhaps as parents of, of students um do 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 check out the podcast i'd suggest while you're in your podcast app <laughs> uh, it's the exam study expert podcast um we cover all sorts of things from uh, effective study techniques to uh, stress and anxiety mindset productivity um, recall strategies from the exam itself um if you want a place to start i'd suggest episode three um as a as a, as a good gateway to that um, and apart from that, if you want to get in touch about anything else, examstudyexpert.com is the place to go. William, all those links will be in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on Ditch the Job. It was a pleasure to have you here today. It's been such a pleasure to chat, Mark. Thanks ever so much.